What is up, Anchor? Uh, This is As For Awesome with your host, Roberto Blake, doing my little call-in show here on Anchor FM. Uh, It is a late night, and as usual, I have my insomnia. In fact, uh, since VidCon, even though I'm back on the East Coast, I've been living on West Coast time. Can't seem to help it. So I've been doing that uh, vampire life and... That means you guys get to spend a little bit more time with me. So let's go ahead and take a few calls from you guys and see what's up. Hey Roberto, great question about creativity and whether it's good to have a blank canvas or have a little bit of restriction. So firstly, it's nice hearing you here on Anchor and my response is, it kind of takes me back to an art project that I did at school. Uh, a long time ago and we were given disposable cameras and I think it maybe had like 12 shots. It was really limited but we had to work from those images and create our artwork based off of what we had photographed and I do think it, it helped me to be more creative and more intentional about what I was doing. Uh, today we can take hundreds and hundreds of pictures and go on for a long time so that's my uh, little two pence on that discussion thank you Tracy Durant first of all I have to say I love your accent I am definitely a sucker for accents and yours is amazing it is awesome so thank you for calling in I absolutely agree as somebody who's coming from a photography background myself I remember a time when we had massive limitations on what we could shoot in a given time and how long it would take to wind up our film and load up another one and all those things. It meant that you had to use a lot more judgment in what you were shooting and you had to get it right in the first like two shots or it was going to be a a wash. So I can certainly appreciate that and I think that one, I love my digital cameras and not going through that level of anxiety. I don't think that my nerves could take going back uh, in doing that for paid work. I don't think my nerves could take that creative stuff. If I miss it, I miss it. But uh, if it was something really important, uh, my nerves would be shot just going through that as a photographer. So I'm just happy to have uh, left film development behind. I still kind of love it. I still romanticize that, but like there's just so many problems. Uh, so yeah, I agree though that those kind of limitations definitely help us. What I like is I like shooting with prime lenses, even though now that I'm on Panasonic, I have my equivalent of a uh, 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200. And those are my main two lenses, but I kept all of my primes and I might even invest in an F 1.4 85 millimeter prime because I really believe in the the creativity that comes from constraints. I really believe that just moving back and forth and having that restriction and not having the freedom to zoom actually forces me to be much more creative. It forces me to get different angles and to move around and to position differently. And I don't feel like I'd get the same shots using a zoom. And that's just been my experience having had zoom lenses. I, I think I get more creative in how I approach shooting when I have the constraint of a prime lens versus a zoom lens. So I think the same thing applies to art and design is that, you know, if they tell you do whatever you want, you have full creative freedom instead of giving you at least some kind of brief, it's much more intimidating to have that blank canvas 
you're much more uh, likely to get frustrated and so I really feel that we need some of those boundaries to be able to do something amazing. Thanks so much for the call. Good one. Quick question, you guys. want to know, what challenges you the most creatively? Tell me a story of how a limitation like challenged you creatively and like what you got out of that. Would love to hear from you. Um, again, my most recent one is like I was shooting some stuff with a prime lens versus a zoom lens and that did it. But also, I've been challenging myself, if you guys have been watching over on YouTube, obviously, I've been challenging myself in a lot of ways. One, I've been challenging myself with vlogging. Uh, that's a different format than I would normally be used to, but I'm doing it my way. I'm not doing it anyone else's way. I'm doing it my way and just having a conversation with you guys when I do it. And uh, that's been going really well. And then in terms of just my YouTube channel thumbnails, I've been really trying to stretch myself a little bit and get out of the habit of the way I template things or even when I use my templates to challenge myself to get a little bit more um, creative and to go outside of my normal bounds with regard to that, especially on the thumbnails for the vlogs to get more of you to uh, feel excited about clicking on them. So I've been doing a lot of those things. I've been thinking about a new way to approach the format for tutorials, just all kinds of stuff because I feel bored um, a little bit because um, I love doing videos. That doesn't bore me. Shooting and filming, that doesn't bore me overall. I just feel that the, the process no longer has a challenge in it that gets me as excited, which means that I end up making these um, videos based on how excited I am about a topic, which is great, but it's not great when it comes to getting out a constant stream of content, which is what I like doing, and I like uh, showing up for you guys every day. So for me, I'm finding ways to actually challenge myself and to make it like up the ante, like feel like I'm taking more risk because I've gotten so like used to the way that I do this because I've done a thousand plus videos. I've gotten so used to doing a certain format, a certain style, a certain type of editing that I just feel like I can stretch. And I, it's not even about wanting to up the quality, quote unquote, because the quality is the content itself, right? And like my editing just gets better anyway. And um, I'm trying to add a few little things, but I don't believe in being fancy, especially when you're just trying to give, like help people and give advice and give information. I'm like, being fancy actually distracts from the message. So I'm trying to find other ways to challenge myself and to get excited about the process because I'm really excited about the content. I'm just not as excited about the process because I've got it down to a science. I've got it down to a science where I can manufacture content. And uh, I mean, I laugh, but it's like, it's become a real problem with uh, wanting to shoot videos back to back and get ahead of schedule like I used to. And I'm just being real about that. It's because, and I've realized that, oh, it's because you're not as excited about that process anymore. I mean, I get excited about travel. I get excited about putting my camera in someone else's hands and having them film me more now. Uh, I'm getting a little bit excited about doing behind the scenes stuff in the real world with GoPro though, and then editing that together, sitting down, filming something that's thought out, and then you know telling a story. So, I mean, I'm finding my workaround on it, but I just wanna know, like, have you guys ever gotten to that point to where you do something so much and you get so good at it that the process isn't as exciting for you anymore? Would love to hear your stories on this. Hello everybody. I totally agree 
that the process of making a graphic design is highly underestimated. Part of being a graphic designer is to stay within budget. Only when you have a good process, you're able to stay within budget. The end result is always a combination of having a good process and being a skilled graphic designer. Edwin, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I don't think nearly enough people have a respect for the process of the work, whether it's people looking at that end result, that finished product, whether that's a client or just a general consumer. I think that they think it's the computer doing the majority of the work and that's wizardry. And no, it's down to our process. And so I think people need to have a healthier respect and appreciation for that. I think people need to really work on refining their craft. Um, and it's something that I, I talk about a lot, but I've been thinking about it more and how I help people get to a different place of understanding and fall back in love with the process, respect it enough to refine it, and also educate people from the outside about what this looks like, even if they're not like super curious or they don't aspire to do it. I think it's important for them to just kind of know what it took to get people there. So uh, those are things I think about. Great call in. Thank you so much for that. Roberto Blake, you are awesome. You are always awesome. This is Vasan Solutions Turk, also known as Solutions Turk. And Roberto, you're right on key, right on point. We are talking about make sure that you're using your time wisely because your time here is very limited, is very short, is very important for people to understand about the precious present, the present, the now. Right now is the most important time you'll ever have in your entire life. Right now is the most important time you will have in your entire life. If people understood that, they will understand that you were born a winner, so don't die a loser. Don't let your dreams die before you actually go to the grave. Talk to you soon. Turk, good to hear from you, my man. Yeah, I think that a lot of people fail to be present. I know it's something I've struggled with in the past and trying to get better at it every day. Um, I think that uh, you just have to uh, progress daily, progress daily, as John Hill would say. And I think that if people look for those incremental daily gains and whatever they are, they don't always have to be business gains. They can be, you know, they can be gains in the gym too, uh, or they can be just anything that's a win for you in life, anything that like feels truly satisfying. I think that people are stuck in this mode, and I understand it. I, I get it. I was there too, where they're just surviving and they're not looking at thriving and they're not looking at truly like taking satisfaction out of even every hour of the day being able to check off a box and say that, you know what, within that hour I did something that was truly personally satisfying for me. So I, I just, I really am concerned that it's an issue why people are so unhappy and depressed right now and are going through so much hardship is mostly due to what's in their mind, I, I think more than anything. And again, I speak from experience as someone who suffered from depression and anxiety and thoughts of suicide. And it was like, you know, just resetting my brain was the answer at the end of the day. Just thinking about it differently and taking it all into perspective. And, you know, I don't think everyone gives themselves that opportunity. 
Hey Roberto, this is Jay Carter Ray from GrowNYouTube.com and I just want to say a big thank you for all the resources that you've been putting out on your YouTube channel and for introducing me to Anchor. I was actually watching your three hour live stream the other day. Unfortunately, I caught it late, but you uh, was talking about how to grow your YouTube channel fast in 2017 and there was a lot of great stuff there, but that you also went over uh, talking about anchor and I had heard of it before but I had never really jumped into it and yeah it's a really great platform I'm having a lot of fun using it this is actually my first call-in so I've got to do more of these but I've also started my podcast using anchor and yeah I just want to say a big thank you man really helped out Jay, glad to hear you here on Anchor. Uh, super appreciate that. Uh, thank you for tuning into the live stream. I know it was a long one, and there's a lot of stuff to go back and watch. And I, I set those up so that people can kind of go back and watch them and replay. I gotta get uh, some help with getting timestamps on those to make that experience a little better for people. Because I, I know sometimes I go an hour, which is usually what the plan is, but sometimes I'll be getting into two and three hour ones, and I don't mean to. I just can't help but answer. Um, almost everybody's questions. Uh, hopefully, Anchor helps start uh, setting some of that. But uh, between that and Twitter and Instagram, but um, yeah, I dig Anchor. I love the fact that we can do these call-ins. I love the interactive nature of it. Um, I, I kind of, I, I with YouTube Live, I kind of don't like that I can't have people call in and I approve them. Uh, but I also understand why it doesn't because then someone could ruin your live stream and do something. Um, you know, that you don't want them to do. Uh, so I guess that makes a certain amount of sense. I, I just missed this old platform called Blab that used to let you do that. But I also understand from some things that happened on Blab why that would be uh, a problem and from YouTube's point of view. So I get it. But anyway, with that being said, yeah, it's good to see that you're here on Anchor. Um, I really appreciate getting all the call-ins. I, I appreciate um, everything that my community is doing to support me in the different platforms. You know, I know that it gets to be a lot to have all these apps, but I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy the difference of context. I enjoy different things. And again, I think it's a lot of it's my ADHD brain. Just, I always get like shiny object syndrome and I always like different things. But I think I've done a good job of sticking to my you know, core platforms that let me do content. And Anchor, I think, is going to definitely be one of those for me at least for a good while here because the ease of use in setting up a podcast and setting up an archive and the interactive nature of it to be able to answer you guys' questions. Um, the fact that there's not a monetization strategy behind that yet doesn't bother me because it's not that time consuming and that's the other thing I like about Anchor is it's it's real time to produce and deliver content without oh, excuse me worrying about editing. Um, and so that's appealing to me. Live streaming is appealing to me in that regard. And so um, that's what I'm looking at with a lot of these micro platforms. And I think this is really unique in the space. So that's what I like about it. And um, yeah, thanks for the call in, man. Hey, how's it going, Roberto? It's, uh, it's your boy Locke here. Uh, sorry for chiming in so late, but I just recently uh, updated the Anchor app and went through the dial and caught up on the missed content. I just wanted to let you know that I'm a huge fan, that I'm a huge believer in just starting. Uh, I just recently released my own first vlog uh, like a couple hours ago and the anxiety 
towards releasing that vlog was crazy. It was honestly crazy. Uh, I was honestly expecting my first uh, project or my first video of that sort to be perfect. But once I let go of that expectation of others and just realized that the content that I'm creating is for myself first and foremost, and I'm sharing a piece of me, i.e. through whatever platforms that I'm doing it on, whether it's Anchor, whether it's YouTube, and that just makes it so much more easier. But anyway, I just wanted to chime in with my own two cents. It's been your boy Locke, and I'm out. Peace. Locke, thanks so much for calling in, man. Uh, it's great to hear that you released your first vlog. I, I believe me, I know all about anxiety. And yes, uh, focusing instead on yourself and the fact that initially you're doing this for you initially and uh, first and foremost and then also that you want to refine your craft that this is so that you can document your journey and your improvement like taking that perspective makes a huge difference and takes so much of a weight off when you take away the expectation of others not only in creative content but in everything when you're like hey whatever you do that's cool or whatever I'm gonna do me because that's gonna be my karma when you take that approach I really 110% I believe in karma and I don't believe it's woo woo stuff like all these people are worried about woo woo and magical thinking and everything I'm like I just believe in what works and I believe that when you try to worry about other people and what they believe or what they think or how they interpret it or what they're going to do that it's just putting this unreasonable uh, expectation and weight on yourself and that's what's creating anxiety that's what's creating stress I mean the less and less that I give a crap about that and about what the the outcome is because see I do believe in results but not outcomes and what I mean by that is that I believe that whatever I produce is a result whatever comes of that is an outcome and I'm not dictated by the outcome I'm dictated by the mandate of creating a result i.e. create something awesome today do something check the box get it done that's the win and then if something else comes as a byproduct of that for me that's icing on the cake that's gravy that's extra so for me it was it was more about for me with YouTube specifically it was about getting this far and doing over a thousand pieces of what I think are quality content the byproduct of that having helped a quarter of a million people is amazing and I'm very proud of that but if it was a hundred thousand fifty thousand I'd still be happy with that because for me the real end game was making a thousand pieces of content and learning and acquiring the skills that comes from that the knowledge that comes from that the data points that come from that I wanted the actual power and the actual power is not about the byproduct of the outcome the power is in the process as I keep saying and I need to brand that by the way like the power is really in the process because as a result of the process of doing a thousand videos and doing some live streams hundreds of those and all the things it made me a better public speaker it made me more confident it made me more skillful it made me a better communicator it made me comfortable on camera it made me more comfortable in social situations it helped me get over my anxiety it helped me get over my self-deprecating point of view it helped me get uh, very comfortable with myself and my own appearance even and it helped me with self-love and self-awareness and it did so much more for me to make 1,000 videos than to even get 10,000 subscribers I really believe that as a human being regardless of the byproduct 
that it results in career escalation and more clients and all those things. The thing that worked was the process. The process made me something more and it refined what I was and it brought out my potential. And that's what I want for all of you is to embrace the process instead of seeking the byproduct. And I think if you can get there, that that's where the gold is. I think that that's where the real power is, is to embrace the process and use it as a means of moving closer to self-mastery. And you know that's what I think the underlying value of what I'm trying to teach people is. And I'm trying to teach them that by example. So Locke, super appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for the call in. Go out there and create something awesome, my man. Where do you fall on the quantity versus quality side for your creative endeavors and how has it changed throughout your creative um, process? Nate, thank you for the question on quality versus quantity and I think this is going to be the last question for this episode and this evening and then I'll leave you guys with my final thoughts. Uh, quality versus quantity. Obviously my answer of course is both, but that's not a satisfying answer even though I can justify it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say that I disproportionately favor quantity over quality if you have to choose from a practicality standpoint, which is what most artists resist, which is why they're starving artists. And I'm not saying produce crap and mass manufacture mediocrity. I'm saying that most creatives don't know where to draw the line of understanding where an incremental improvement in quality is not proportionate to if the same effort or time was applied to more quantity of an acceptable threshold of quality, especially when it comes to their finite amount of time, when it comes to something for which they make money. A 5 to 10% increase in quality will not yield you twice as much money. If it required the same amount of time to just produce the thing twice, you make twice as much money versus 5 or 10% better may not even get you any more money at all and especially in a marketplace where the consumer or the client doesn't realize the difference between 90 and 95. So I think that you charge more for producing with the same amount of time. The amount of time that it takes to get from 90 to 95, you could have produced 93 times and made three times as much money versus the artist likes to go from 90 to 95 to satisfy their own vanity and ego and it produces nothing for them of value other than satisfying that vanity and ego. I say sacrifice vanity and ego and by that I mean quality because it's too expensive. It's too expensive to go there than to accept a threshold of acceptable quality and by acceptable not just to your own standard but acceptable to the market for what you're justifying asking for and also for valuing your time appropriately because time is the real asset. And so that's where I fall on it is that I think that too many people, especially early on, don't give themselves a break and they obsess over quality instead of using quantity to refine their process enough to create a better level of quality or redefine what quality is because sometimes quality isn't the delivery, sometimes quality is speed. It depends on what the value proposition is and what the circumstances are because for a client, I guarantee you, done is better than late. Done is better than late and artists turning things late because they don't know how to prioritize sometimes and refine a process because 
excuse me, they obsess over quality instead of taking the same amount of time to improve efficiency first. Because if I get good and fast, then I can get to great much more easily because I've refined the process of what's good and I've gotten that speed as a result because quality is subjective, which means if it's subjective, I can call it fake. But quantity is measurable and real. And speed is part of that. Speed and time are real variables. Quality is an emotional variable and it's subjective, which means it's an illusion. It means that it's fake because what we think is bad, everyone else thinks is amazing because artists are neurotic and obsessive and we have that problem. I'm, I'm partly speaking for myself, so if this doesn't apply to you, fine. But I'm neurotic and I'm obsessive and the thing that I think is garbage, all of you love. And the thing that I think is amazing, none of you watch. So, you know, I mean, so that means that quality is subjective. It's in the eye of the beholder and thus it's fake. It's a fake standard. Quality is a fake standard because it is in the eye of the beholder. It's not replicable. There's no established standard to it. Um, so that's a problem. But quantity and speed are indisputable. They're consistent. And so that's why I value quantity over quality because what's tangible and real is always going to be more valuable if we're talking from a standpoint of practicality in a business sense, that's going to be more precious. Um, if we're talking about emotional context, well, obviously that's why an artist is going to value quality and thus sacrifice quantity or speed or time or priorities. And then it becomes a problem with clients a lot of times and becomes a problem with making a living because then the time that's allocated there is not being spent in the best way. Good question. That really was a good question. I appreciate it uh, from Nate there, but I also know it got a little ranty. But I think it's a great note to leave on is, I mean, I'm against starving artist syndrome. I do not want creative people to have to suffer with anxiety and worry about their survival. And that means sometimes I'm gonna have to say things that they're not going to agree with and like because it's about romanticism and ego and about the narrative of being an artist versus the, the narrative of being successful. And sometimes those things are at cross purposes. Sometimes what you want to do to feel like you're a great artist will impede your ability to survive. And I think it's easier to survive, um, or rather, I think it's easier to be a great artist when you're not worried about your rent. I think it's much easier to be a great artist when you're not worried about your rent because you have more time to allocate to becoming perfect. But that means that on some level, you might have to make sacrifices to be able to put yourself in that position. And I think the first sacrifice that goes on the altar is your own ego and vanity about what you think good is. I think that, or, or and what your expectations of yourself or the market or other people, I think that vanity and ego are the first sacrifice on your path to greatness. I think they're the first thing that you put on the altar and slay uh, and offer up to, you know, the being that you want to become. So uh, that's where I think I want to leave things. I know that one was a little heavy, um, but, I thank you guys for calling in. I thank you guys for spending some time with me here on Anchor FM. I love this new show, Ask for Awesome. Uh, I love that it's a conversation. I love that it's not just me talking to myself in my podcast uh, microphone and I can just sit here on the phone with you guys and just do some real talk. Uh, it's amazing. Thank you, Anchor FM, 
for making me a featured creator. Thank you for providing us with a cool platform. Thank you for all the little bells and whistles here too. Um, super appreciate that. And guys, just go out there and crush it. Go out there and create something awesome today. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care.